This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. No festive football for the Reds, but a watching brief as both Man City and Chelsea took the gifts on offer to them. Coming up, we'll discuss the fallout from Boxing Day, analyse Liverpool's AFCON boost and preview the visit to the King Power. To get into all of that, as well as our team selector and match predictor, we have the O Squires and Hannah Pinnock. I have to say to both of you, first of all, Merry Christmas. Hope you've... uh, had a good festive time and, uh, well, Theo, it was a bit weird this year, wasn't it? No Boxing Day football for Liverpool fans to indulge in. I was loving it all until you wheeled me out to talk about Leicester City again. Bored of <laughs> talking about the Foxes now. Seems we've been doing this all month. Um, yeah, it, it was quite nice. Like You think every year we have Jurgen Klopp saying we played too much festive football. You need to break it up more. And it looked like this fixture list was going to be really hard on Liverpool. But by just taking that one game out of it, it's quite nice to be able to just sit back, relax. You can have your Christmas dinner. You can have your leftovers, your turkey sandwiches or whatever. Um, whatever your presents you've got, just have a nice chill day. Look at the scores and there's no stress involved. I, yeah, it wasn't ideal in terms of results. So, uh, Chelsea got the win. City got the win. Uh, Chelsea now level one points. Liverpool City are six points behind. No, City are six points ahead of Liverpool. So, but they've got the game in hand and they can just relax. It's, yeah, I suppose I get why fans don't want to see it go. Like Jurgen Klopp said it in his press conference today. Boxing Day is fine. It's tradition. I have no issues playing on Boxing Day, but there is too much around the whole festive period. If you want to keep your, your tradition, keep Boxing Day. Just get rid of this next one on the 28th, or 29th or whenever it is. But it, it made a nice change, and I suppose it's something I'm going to have to get used to because I'm not sure how the winter break falls next year with the World Cup. Um it's been nice to have a, a bit of time off now and a bit of time off then before it all gets going again. Yeah, see, I disagree on that regarding festive football. I think you get rid of more football, the, the kind of the mid... Like, for example, you said being wheeled out to talk about Leicester City again. If the League Cup weren't a thing, certainly for sides in Europe, wouldn't have had that game midweek prior to it. The FA Cup third round this year is actually a little bit later. So have sort of three or four games around this week and make it a thing, make it a challenging week. I think the issue is is there's too many weeks already with the Champions League, with then the League Cup, with Premier League, putting a midweek fixture around in only a couple of weeks ago as well, that actually all of a sudden it is just the norm and it's continuing to be that way the whole time. But Hannah, what so, about uh, kudos to Arsenal yeah. then for just not qualifying for Europe to make it easier for themselves? Uh, well, come on, don't fire shots. <laughs> well, they're the side winning the games that are in front of them at the minute. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's let's not be firing too many, too many shots. Uh, Hannah, what about yourself? I have to say, I, I, I just lost myself yesterday, Boxing Day, trying to kind of wonder what football was on. As Theo mentioned, my beloved Arsenal were, but there wasn't many else on. Yeah, no, I, I was supposed to go up to Anfield for, for the Leeds game, so that was a bit gutting. But um, I stayed local and I went and watched Cheltenham Town get beat 2-0 by Plymouth, um, which wasn't too bad. But um, yeah, it was it was weird not having Liverpool to watch on Boxing Day but you know I, I think it's a welcomed break if anything um, not ideal because you've got to now reschedule that Leeds game somewhere else and cause a bit of congestion elsewhere but um, you know I, I'm sure it was a welcome break in it and it gets some players back um, after being out with Covid as well. 
Yeah, definitely. I suppose we're best to kind of talk on that and we'll get into Jurgen Klopp's press conference in a bit and react to that. But before we move on from Boxing Day, you mentioned it there, Theo, that Man City did win. They played Leicester, of course, 1-6-3. They were 4-0 up at half-time after then being given a bit of a scare. Leicester getting it back to 4-3 to before City then did find another gear. And Chelsea also getting two penalties in their game away at Aston Villa and winning 3-1. You mentioned before City now six points clear. So how how what's the feeling regarding that? Is it at this stage of the season better to have the points on the board or there is that game in hand for Liverpool, albeit, as Hannah says, it's going to have to get rearranged into another area of the season that could see a fixture pile up. Um, traditionally you'd say it's always better to have points on the board and I think historically it is better to have points on the board but it's just not the case with Liverpool like the three times we've seen them go close for the title and not win it in 13, 14, 8, 9 and 18, 19 they were top at Christmas they were the ones in the driving seat it was City and United who had the games in hand and they just managed to claw it back and usurp them at the top of the table but then this is a different Liverpool now this is a Liverpool team that has won the Premier League title before and they're against a Manchester City time that has won many Premier League titles before. So it's a bit different in that context of the fact that you wouldn't say you can see City um, losing it under the pressure or anything if Liverpool start getting a run of games with the momentum. It's one where we're used to seeing City just come into the second half of the season and win every week. Like The one year they didn't was when they were miles off the pace and Liverpool won the, the league quite easily. But you think of 18-19, I think they won 18 of 19 games in the second half of the season. And remember doing podcasts or whatever, thinking, surely they can't keep this up. Surely Liverpool have done enough in the first half of the season to finish the top. You can't just lose one game all year and not win the league. And sure enough, the consistency that these times teams are producing, that this is what happens. Um, six points, it does feel like a big gap at this stage of the season. But a lot can still happen. Like Liverpool's still got to go to the Etihad. Um, I think Liverpool, they've got Chelsea on the second, don't they? And then Chelsea have got to go to City a couple of weeks after that. You throw in the Africa Cup of Nations, where it might only be a couple of Premier League games, but Chelsea will lose Mendy. Uh, Liverpool will lose Salamana and Keita. Uh, City will lose Mares. There's all this stuff going along in the background. And then Champions League progress. Like, I think we're, we can say at the moment it's three teams in the title race. It, does kind of feel like Chelsea are edging away slightly, but that will be because of COVID and because of injuries. But they've still got a hell of a lot of talent in their squad. But they're still 1-3-1. And while it might be a couple of dodgy penalties, where it just feels a bit dodgy because you always, oh, you've won because of a couple of them. They're getting the players back. Like Lukaku was back. Was he off the bench or he started? I'm not quite sure, but he's back in the squad yeah. now. Um, and they've got so many talented players there. They had the experience winning the Champions League last year. You just get to February, March time. And then you see who's still going strong in the Champions League, what your quarterfinal draw is, and then you can sort of weigh up your priorities. Uh, it might feel bad at the moment they've got to rearrange this Leeds game. They're going to have to rearrange an Arsenal game as well because it clashes with the League Cup final. So even if they don't get there, they can't play that that weekend. So that there will be a couple of games Liverpool have got hanging over their heads come springtime. Um, they might try and get one in earlier. They might try and get one in, I don't know, if they don't go far in the FA Cup. But then that could be an advantage. Might, might feel better to have points on the board, but at the same time, if you can build momentum and really put the pressure on, it's not ideal playing two times a week, every week at this stage when you're getting tired, but usually you find the teams get a bit more life towards them in the spring when they can relax a bit more, when everyone's just hungry, got the prizes in sight. Uh, hopefully it works in Liverpool's favour because it's worked against them in the past. Yeah, I have to say, I think this season, maybe, I don't know how you feel, Hannah, that points on the board is, is kind of the the 
most important thing for teams, a number of Premier League managers over the last round of fixtures now when their teams have been in action, kind of saying that at the end of the day, it may be COVID that decides this title rather than the action really on the pitch because we are only in December, of course, uh, January and February winter months as well. I'm sure there'll be more and more cases and more and more postponements that do come into play. And as we say, if Liverpool already have one, yes, they might be fresh for the Leicester game, which we're going to get into, but there are going to be other games that get pushed back later on. Yeah, it's an opinion that I've I've held myself as well um, for the last few weeks that, that COVID is going to have a major say on, on who wins the title, depending on whether or not your games get postponed, but also, you know, where those rearranged fixtures fall, um, you know, because if, if fixtures are rearranged at a time where, you know, you've got big games either side of them, then then that can influence things as well. And it also influences, you know, the sort of teams that you end up facing, you know, Leicester, you know, normally have a not too bad of a record against Manchester City, but the team that Brendan Rodgers had to put out, you know, against City yesterday with all the injuries that they have and, and COVID playing a part as well, it it can influence the sort of team that you have to, to face. And I know Leeds have struggled with, you know, injuries and, and COVID themselves. And, you know, the when Chelsea faced them, it wasn't a necessarily strong Leeds side at all. But then, you know, it can come to a point where, Liverpool face them in, in a few weeks or whenever that fixture gets rearranged for and you end up facing a much stronger lead side. Um, so it all, you know, it fact, it influences so many things, basically. And, you know, it, it you can see it having a major influence on on who ends up winning the league. Obviously, whoever wins it has got to, you know, if, if Man City win it, you know, you can see the form that they've put together, the run that they're on. And, you know, it's, you struggle to see them losing a game at any point. Um but, you know, when you've got such a tight title race and, you know, three teams in it and a matter of points are separating them, um, you know, it, COVID will will have a say, unfortunately. I will say it's luck of the draw, isn't it? Because if you look at the league table, Liverpool have only had one game called off. So Arsenal just had the first one called off. Chelsea somehow managed to play through it all, despite the fact that they had lots more absentees than Liverpool. Because they've got ones. like 25 international players. Yeah, because they survive it. But like these teams at the top, they're the ones with the big squads. And we'll get in, we, I'm not sure if we are going to get into the five subs debate that came up in the press conference today. But that is the other side of it. The Premier League sides at the top of the table can cope and that they can get through. Like Liverpool have had this mini outbreak. I think it was, what, four players? And now it's up to seven cases. But it's a youth team player and two coaches. A lot of the teams have suffered a lot worse. And the fact that even with that outbreak, Look, the worst that that happened to Liverpool was they dropped points at Tottenham. They got a decent draw with 10 men when they were playing two players back from injury, first starts in like two months, and a kid on his first Premier League start in midfield. Now, that's a really respectable result. It's just because if you put it in the context of Manchester City winning every week, it feels even more of a blow. But then you look at the table and the teams that have got these games in hand piling up, it's going to have a much bigger say on that relegation battle. Like Burnley have already got four games in hand. Watford have got three. Uh, Leeds, I think they've got one at the moment, but that's going to pile up because they're, they're going to have a, their outbreak at the moment, so that could lose more. It's, while they won't have that issue of having to fit them in around European football or anything, uh, it's, you imagine it's going to be much more decisive at the end of the season. Like if you're getting relegated on COVID, that that's going to be a, a rather messy situation. But you've just got to be thankful that while Liverpool, some fans will say the squad's not big enough. Um, Jurgen Klopp and Pep Linders are very happy with the squad they put together and the kids have proven they're talented enough 
Like how many times, like last year, for example, where we writing off or fans are writing off players like Naby Keita, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Divock Origi, Takumi Minamino, Costa Simicas. I think all of them have come in this season and they've done really well. They're probably getting more opportunities than you'd expect them to do, but they're showing why they're Liverpool football club players and that, that they can step up. And when you have to go beneath them in terms of the numbers and you're looking at your Nico Williams or your Tyler Morton, even likes of Owen Beck, they're, they're stepping up as well. Uh, it's whether they can, can do it consistently um, over a whole season because while Liverpool might have to turn to Tyler Morton far more than they would like to, Manchester City can go, oh, we're missing one international, we'll just put another international in. And they've not even had to deal with COVID yet. But yeah, it could just be one outbreak could really open things up at the top if it happened at City because before Chelsea, they looked like they were the clear favourites at the early stage of the season. Historically, with the experience, you'd always favour City to come back on top. But when you've got that squad and that depth, it is always going to be hard to take overtake them. Cops are that himself today, and that's without pandemic, without COVID cases. Yeah, Chelsea also have to factor in the Club World Cup in February as well, don't they? So that'll be another sort of thing that they'll have to contend with. Liverpool, of course, had their own issues with that, with the, the League Cup, as it were, away at Aston Villa. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Moving on, though, and now kind of on to the next point, come back to you on this one, Theo, is the African Cup of Nations that Liverpool have got somewhat of a boost ahead of it. It wasn't all too sure as and when the clubs had to release the players for, but thankfully for Jurgen Klopp, they are going to be about for the game with Chelsea. Yeah, they are. Um, he's confirmed it in the press conference today. I think we'd already known anyway that they were going to be available for that Chelsea game. But that, that, that's huge. Like They've got, I think, a week, isn't it, before the Cup of Nations starts that that Chelsea game is. And while it means you're going to be without them, I'd imagine for the, the Arsenal first leg, I'm not sure they'll be quite as generous enough to let them stay an extra couple of days for a game that could be so decisive in the title race. You want your two best strikers. And with Naby Keita, if he turns up and he's at his best, then he's got a very good chance, a very good case of being in Liverpool's first choice midfield. It's just whether he's fit, whether he's in form, whether he can keep it going. Um, but then you could also say, well, Chelsea have got the first choice keeper. Like if they'd had Kepper in that, he, he's not been the best in the past. That could have been a boost for Liverpool as well. It works both ways. But as I was saying before, these squads are strong enough that they can still get by. Like if Kepper's your reserve keeper and you spent 70, 80 million on him, you think he's still a bit talented despite a few dodgy moments. But that's what pushes the pressure on uh, Minamino, Divock Origi, if he's back from an injury. But then Firmino's back now. Diogo Jota is in sensational form. Liverpool should have enough. And the way the fixtures are falling, it's so kind to them, I think, for how bad it could have been. Like the League Cup semi-final, they've given them those extra days recovery from the Chelsea game. The only backlog, I think, is on Brentford, but then Brentford got pushed back anyway. Yeah, you play your kids in the FA Cup, but it's as manageable as it could be. And then you've still got this mini winter break at the end of the month. Um, The FA Cup, I don't think, is until... February, which is a bit later than normal, if they did get through. By then, you've got Salamane and Keita back, unless some new isolation rules for tra- travels come in by then or anything. It's as good for Liverpool as it could be. But the big concern is you're still losing your best striker, your best forward, Mamasala, best player in the world, on reputation, your second best one. Whether it's still the second best one come the end of the season, we'll have to have that debate at another time. But it looks like Jota could be stealing that mantle from uh, Sadio Mane. There's enough there in reserve, but it's still intimidating. And we know um, Salah's contract, that's all up in the air. We don't know what his future holds. Uh, it'll be interesting, I suppose, to have these two or three games without him because it'll be the first time that he's missed decent games. 
Um, I think he had, what, one game out of COVID last season. He's, he's only missed two or three league games in his entire Liverpool career. Champions League-wise, he's only missed the Barcelona 4-0 because he was it concussion or something. He just doesn't miss games for Liverpool. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see just how good they are without him, even if it is only for a two, three-week game spell next month. Yeah, definitely. And point one of the points uh, that Theo was making, Hannah, is kind of the fixture list. And I suppose looking at it after the Chelsea game, there's a two-week kind of a break until the Reds are back in Premier League action. Between that are the two EFL Cup semi-final legs with Arsenal, the third round in the FA Cup against Shrewsbury at Anfield as well. But then even looking beyond that, it's, it's Brentford at Anfield, a trip down to Selhurst Park, where, of course, Liverpool won 7-0 last year. Leicester at home, who they seem to be playing every week. He's on the 10th of February after that. So there will be a bit of a break even before that 10th of February game could be on the 5th of February, an FA Cup fourth-round tie. But the fixture list has been kinder to Liverpool than maybe it would have been anticipated or feared. Yeah, um, I'm I'm pretty pleased with with how it's turned out, and you know you were thinking at the start of the season how you know scary it would have been to have lost Salah Mane for for up to a month, and you're thinking that that could be decisive. But as it turns out, it it, it probably won't have as big of an influence as as we anticipated. Um, you know, them still being here for that Chelsea game is is massive. That's that was probably most people's biggest concerns if they did have to go much earlier and you know they missed that big game against Chelsea then then I think it would have been a big problem I, th- I think still for me what concerns me about AFCON is you know potential injuries obviously you know players can get injured at any point playing for Liverpool but when you start going abroad and you know with the international teams you know it Liverpool's record of that isn't particularly great when you're thinking about players you know different training regimes different fixes get fixture schedules it you know that can all have an influence and um probably less so for for Salah and Mane um you know they their, their injury record you know especially Salah's is, is exceptional um you know they're always available but for Cater um probably a bit more of an issue um so I don't want to drink it but you know, I think that's probably what, you know, in terms of the fixture schedule and, and the games that they'll be missing through playing at AFCON, it's, it's been very kind to Liverpool, but we know that injuries tend not to be, um, given our luck. So that that's probably what I'm most worried about is just I, I won't be able to re- relax completely until they're all back from AFCON and they're all fit and ready to go for, for February. What's your feeling regarding Salah being away anyway? Theo sort of seems to be a bit intrigued to see who can step up perhaps and show what they can do. He's obviously been such a huge player during his time at Anfield, but I suppose it speaks volumes of the way in which Diogo Jota's kind of taken on the mantle of being part of the Liverpool attack that actually probably a lot of people are excited to see what he can maybe do as being the main man while Salah's away. Yeah, I mean, lose, losing your top goal scorer in the league's top goal scorer at any point of the season is is not ideal. Um, but I think given that it's only, you know, I mean, you look at the Arsenal game and, and the Shrewsbury game and the FA Cup and you're thinking, you know, it'll be hit and miss whether or not Salah would play a part in those games anyway. Um, you know, given that, you know, I mean, it's League Cup semi-final, so wouldn't have been surprised if Salah had played some part in it. But um, for Shrewsbury especially, it's it's a game that, you know, Klopp will probably look at and you know if anything it'd start from the bench um but yeah miss, missing him and, and losing him at any point is is not ideal but it's an opportunity really it's an opportunity for for 
you know, the likes of Jota, the likes of Firmino and the likes of Minamino and Origi as well that, you know, have, have shown glimpses. You know, Minamino's late equaliser against Leicester, you know, the other night was exceptional and probably a huge confidence boost for him as well. Um, and, and this would have been an ideal time for Origi, so hopefully he'll be back fit and, and ready to go as well. Um, but it's it's just an opportunity, really. And given Jota's form, it, it's not as concerning. You know, if we hadn't quite had anyone that was quite hitting those levels and scoring as many goals as Jota is, then maybe, you know, you're sort of looking at that and thinking, where are we going to get our goals from? Um, but ultimately, you know, Jota is stepping up and, you know, it is an opportunity for other players to to gain a bit of form as well. Um, so I'm, I'm not as concerned. And, and like I said, it's, you know, games that, especially the cup games, you know, he might have missed anyway. Um, but Brentford, I mean, given, you know, the previous match against Brentford earlier in the season, um, probably a lot harder than it looks, but their sort of forms dropped off a bit recently. So ultimately it's it's not it's not like it's you know your Chelsea's your your Manchester City's your Man United's where you absolutely need your best players um so as as long as like I said it's them coming all back fit and ready to go and, and not picking up in, in any injuries really do you want yeah, another AFCON boost before we move on go on then uh Senegal and Guinea are in the same group so I reckon you should get Mane and Keita to just go to the teammates. Right, be kind. Don't do anything to him. You protect him. I don't care he's on opposite opposite team. And I think for Naby Keita, go on, put an upset. Knock Senegal out in the group stages. Uh, potentially three teams can get through. So just make sure they don't score many goals. Send Sadio home early. Makes January even easier for Liverpool. Naby can go all the way. Naby can go and win the Cup of Nations. Uh, I don't think we've got any such luck with Egypt's group. I think they're in with... Uh, Nigeria, Sudan, and Guinea. Um, you know how good I am with pronunciation. You're going to have to try and save me here, guy. Guinea-Bissau. Yeah, I'll, I'll just let you do what you do. Cheers, uh, I'll, I'll also say the rest of us at the Blood Red Podcast don't condone Theo alleging that, uh, yeah, match-fixing should go on between Guinea and uh, and Senegal there. To, that wasn't match-fixing at all. That was just saying, <laughs> don't two-foot Sadio Mane and don't two-foot Naby Keita. To be fair, no. Naby Keita would get injured with that, even without the two-foot, depending on... He'd probably be the one doing the two-footing <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, just protect each other. Make sure one of you comes home early. Everyone's happy, apart from the team that gets knocked out. <laughs> yeah, they're not too <laughs> The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Right, in terms of the press conference then, let's get our teeth into it. And I suppose one of the main take-homes from it, as you've already referenced, was Jurgen Klopp back and calls for five substitutes to return for the remainder of the Premier League season. I mean, to me, it feels as though the Premier League trying to jump the gun and be too clever for their own good once more at the beginning of the season, saying, no, we're not going to go with five subs, almost as though the pandemic has just disappeared and it only affected one season. The rest of the top five leagues kept it in. And now I have to say, surely you're at risk of jeopardising the competition that you played half of it without five substitutes. And now there's talk to bring it back in. It seems sensible and logical. Should have been done from the start, no? Yeah, it should. But it always seems to be because Sean Dyche is having a moan and they don't want to get Sean Dyche angry. I'm, I'm sure there are other managers like Klopp's come and said you need 14 clubs majority, isn't it, to get it in? And they don't have that. But it always seems to be Sean Dyche who's the one shouting off saying why he doesn't want it because his squad's not big enough to have these five substitutes. But why and, do they have nine subs then? Why why keep Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And like we've looked at the last few weeks when you've had like Chelsea having to put five, six subs 
or Everson have to raid the uh, the under 15s just to fill the bench. It's just it isn't really adding up. I, I understand. I think it's with those sides, it isn't that they can't have the numbers. They accept they might have to have some games where only put four or five subs out there. But it's because they could get relegated because Liverpool and Man City can just name another nine subs. They can throw five of them on. And it, it's a selfish reasons looking after themselves, isn't it, for these lesser clubs who don't have that depth. But then it's about looking after your players as well. Because if you've got players who are coming back from Corona or if they're coming back from injuries, you can't just put them straight back in for 90 minutes. Like We've heard about the four Liverpool players who've had COVID. They're going to be back. Thiago, Jones, Fabinho and Van Dijk. Fortunately, by the sounds of it, they didn't have any symptoms. So they're, they're as good a condition as they can be, but they haven't trained whilst they've been in isolation. They'll have done their own gym work, whatever you're sure, but they're not going to have done proper training. And you think, well, they should be able to feature against Leicester. Van Dijk, Fabinho and Jones, um, they were in training before Christmas. Thiago was back yesterday. But you're still thinking, you can't start Thiago tomorrow. That's too quick of a turnaround. Like It's about protection. But if you have five subs, like we've seen in the League Cup, like we've seen in the Champions League, it just means, right, hour's gone, we can take someone off. Like Jordan Henderson, he was ill, he missed the Spurs game, um, came back in for the League Cup game. He probably wasn't 100%. They got an hour out of him, then they could take him off, then they could manage the other players around him. It was, it comes in a whole new tactical battle, isn't it? And some teams just don't have the depth to combat that. But then is it not the same for these lesser teams in the Premier League as it is in the Football League? Um, you'll have to tell me, do the EFL still have five subs in the, the Championship League 1, League 2? Because I know they did last year, didn't they? Did that yeah, go this year? Yeah, I'm 99% sure that's gone, yeah. But the fact that they were happy to do it last year when the Premier League didn't. The thing for me, though, that I don't understand is all the Premier League clubs still have a 25-man squad limit. We've had now yeah. three transfer windows already. January, obviously, a matter of days away, will be a fourth window. There is opportunity for these clubs. Forgive me for, for thinking that the Premier League's full of poor clubs that can't spend resource to bring players in. If you're scared of relegation, bring players in on loan to make sure that you fill your 25-man squad. Other than that, it's under 21-year-old players, which all clubs are, are able to play as many of them as, as they want in and around the rules anyway. So... I don't, I don't buy it. I don't understand it. Um, maybe that's that's too simplistic for me to say, but I, I can't see why when we're talking about player welfare. And I mean, since Jordan Henderson's come out and spoken about it, the voice of reason, it seems on so many topics, Hannah, that every other Premier League player or manager who's spoken about it has said, yeah, we need to look after the players more. And yet the five substitutes thing still isn't still isn't happening. Yeah, I think it says a lot when, you know, like you said, the other leagues around Europe carried on with that that rule. And obviously it was brought in at a time when, you know, football was restarting again after COVID and there was going to be a huge amount of fixtures in a, in a short space of time. But, you know, sort of reaching that sort of crisis level at the moment, really, with the amount of games that have been, you know, postponed and then going to be rescheduled and everything like that. And, you know, I, I think it absolutely makes sense to, to bring it back in. But I get your point as well that, you know, it's not been here all season and, and it seems, you know, a bit ridiculous that they didn't carry on with it initially when, when everyone else was. Um, but I, I, th I think, you know, I completely agree with it, to be honest. And I, I can sort of see both sides. I can understand from, you know, the likes of Bernie's perspective where they quite haven't got the squad and you can sort of see how it can advantage the clubs like Liverpool and Man City where they have got the players that they can bring on and you know impact games and everything like that whereas you know teams like Burnley that don't quite have that same level of squad and um, the amount of players that you know they they can't 
utilize that and they can't make the most of it um but I, I i don't see why that should stop you know the you know an impact everyone else and, and stop the likes of Liverpool and Man City protecting the players that they do have because you know like you said John Henderson's the voice of reason here and you know the the players welfare you know the that is should always be the utmost importance um and ultimately at the moment when you're looking at the amount of games that have been rescheduled and you know we all know how intense the the Christmas schedule is especially um you know in a non-covid season but how it's been in the last couple of years and particularly this season when you know squads are thin enough as it is um and you know players are picking up more injuries and and players are absent and just to have that option from the bench where if you have got a player that's come back from covid that you know you can chop and change and and you know limit their game time whereas without those the option you know for extra substitutions you might not be able to do so i think it is it's something that absolutely makes sense but i guess it shouldn't really take until you know hitting a bit of a crisis point that you reintroduce it um you should you know read the room almost and you know you're looking across Europe and other other leagues and other competitions have carried on with it so so why hasn't the Premier League? Well English yeah. football has always been behind with these sorts of things mm-hmm. like I remember when Rafa was in charge at Liverpool he was bemoaning the fact that they're only allowed five substitutes whereas the com- um, the teams on the continent they were having seven in their domestic leagues and you think well England finally embraced having seven I think the end of the noughties potentially and it's only now they've gone up to nine and response to COVID but then you look at the continent I'm not sure if it's all of them but I know Italy especially they can have 12 substitutes but then their answer to that would be their academies are supposedly better but they give youngsters game time they prove they're good enough for the first team whereas English football has never really been great at bringing these youngsters through are talented enough that's why you've seen so many go to Germany to get that game time I don't know why that is maybe it's because there's so much money on it they don't want to give these opportunities to the younger players. They have to rely on the tried and trusted when it comes down to staying in the Premier League when you know how much that can be worth to a side or dropping down into the Championship. But it doesn't mean if you've got these younger players on the bench, you have to play them. It's just part of the experience. Like We've seen however many players Liverpool have got younger who've been in the squad this season. They've not played every game. When they have played, some of them haven't the best of times. But it's still being part of that first-team environment and it makes a big difference for them. I think Burnley, their academy can't be that bad. They must have some young players they can put on a bench to fill a bench. And while I, they think, might... I would say as much the problem, though, would be the fact that your club's lower down. Let's not just pick on Burnley. Let's say Newcastle, <laughs> let's say Watford, let's say Norwich, sort of Southampton, whatever. They might be, and Southampton probably a decent example with the fact that they've got Brower on, on loan. They've got a great academy so, as well. But yeah, but what I mean is they might vote against it thinking there's more chance of us being able to get some inter-Premier League loan players come to us who will actually be able to see the first team like Armando Broja, who's who's gone from Chelsea to Southampton on loan, rather than, oh, actually, no, Chelsea will keep him about. I mean, Chelsea are a different case, aren't they? Because they loan out 500 players each summer. But a case of, right, these guys might otherwise be making up the numbers in the other Premier League squads, but we'll get them to, to join us. But I, I, I do just find it all baffling. To be honest, I'm not a huge fan of it because it's half your outfield team you can change. But when you're in uncertain times um, and we're talking about player welfare and we're going to cram all of these games in, it feels as though concessions do have to be made. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Before we run out of time, let's actually address the game that's going to be taking place at the King Power. Theo, I'll, I'll come to you and 
only a couple of seasons back in Liverpool's title-winning season. Uh, Liverpool, of course, went to Leicester 1-4-0. It was the pin-up display of the campaign. Is something likewise needed against Brendan Rodgers' side ahead of this one? Or is it just a case of get the points and try and close that gap to Man City? Um, needed. It'd be nice, but not really. It doesn't matter how they do it this time. It's just about getting those points. Like two years ago, it was probably the first defining victory where you could rest up and feel, yeah, Liverpool are going to win this league. Back in the times before we had to worry about pandemic null and voiding it or anything like that. Like there were fears that December would be the end of Liverpool. They were playing all these competitions, two, three games a week. They had to go Qatar, come back. And then despite all of that, the fly-in and the change of climates, the time difference, they just went and battered the side that was second in the table at the time. And it, it was a brilliant performance. And it, I think it was the first seed. They're like, yeah, we can rest easy. This is Liverpool's year. I know no one wanted to publicly admit it until probably after the United game. Um, but that's because they've been burnt before when the fans have started singing, we're going to win the league. But then you think back to last year, the trip to Leicester was pretty defining as well. Like Liverpool got through, uh, was it January? They, they finally brought in some centre-backs. think, oh, we can go for the title again now. Got that strength and depth back. We can actually play centre-backs at centre-back. And then they were just awful. At, well, they weren't awful, but it fell apart at Leicester. A um, couple of defensive howlers. And you think, well, this is going to be a struggle just to get top four. Now, we know they fought to, they turned it around. Um, now, it seems too early for it to be a defining fixture. Because it is three teams in the mix, it's defining if you lose. Because even with that uh, is it game in hand, still, uh, if City have got a six point advantage or nine point advantage, whatever, in these weeks, depending on the results fall, that is a lot to make up. You just need to keep the length and, top and the gap on them the same. You just need to make sure you're breathing down the necks and in contention. But they don't need to send out this big statement. Like City were sending out a statement at halftime. They were 4-0 up. They end up winning 6-3, and that's still a pretty convincing victory. But it seems a bit shaky too because they've shipped three. It, it, but then these teams are scoring so many goals. Uh, it, at the moment, it's just about getting the victories. It's not going to take any knocks to them at the moment. It's in a couple of months' time. Like Liverpool went and did a similar job to Chelsea, Stamford Bridge, uh, next week. That is more of a, a statement to the rest of the division. Leicester, they're just a bit of a, not even a fallen giant now. They're just not what they were. I'm not sure what's gone wrong under Rodgers, apart from they've had a lot of injuries. But yeah, the fact that they're nowhere near being in Champions League contention compared to the last two, three years, uh, it says a lot about what's changed there. But yeah, get the points, get the get the win. doesn't matter if it's 4-0, 1-0, 3-2. As long as it ends in a Liverpool win, we're happy. Same as last week, it might have been penalties. It didn't matter how the result ended up as long as it came Liverpool's way. What's your take on Leicester then, Hannah? Because uh, as Theo said there, they, they do seem to have fallen away what the, the stat was over the last two seasons. No side had spent longer in the top four than Leicester City. I don't even think they've spent any time in it this season, have they? I, I wouldn't be sure. But they obviously have, have had a lot of injuries and don't seem to maybe pose the threat they once did. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to completely jinx it here, but you almost do feel like it's an ideal time to play Leicester I mean you know I, th I think the the almost comeback against Manchester City um you know I think should serve as a warning really that you know even though they are depleted even though they are you know struggling with injuries they are still very capable of of you know having that fighting spirit and and potentially being able to cause an upset but you know given the the players that they are missing I think you know and the fact that 
we are going to be a bit more full strength than what we were in the, in the Carabao Cup game. Obviously, they very nearly had us at Anfield the other night, you know, when you think about the goals that Vardy scored. But then ultimately, you know, we're going to have our, our first choice defence back and, you know, going to have some key midfielders back in there when you think about the likes of Fabinho and, and Henson as well. And, and you know, maybe Thiago can play a small part in some way. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a very, very different game to, to what the Carabao Cup game was. But, um, you know, I think, like I said, that the Man City game should serve as, as a warning, but it's, it is an ideal time to play them as, as a whole, really, because of how they are struggling at the moment. And it is, is, you know, usually when you sort of look at the fixture list, you do look at the Leicester games as, you know, oh, this is this is going to be a difficult one. This is going to be a challenge. And, you know, times before we've been facing them as, as title rivals ultimately. And at the moment, they're nowhere near it. So, um, you know, it is, is a bit of a weird case with Leicester because, you know, they have been up there, you know, for the last few years. They've been competing for the top four and at times competing for the title before they sort of fall away a bit. And maybe that's a squad issue, but you know, I, I think injuries have certainly played a, a large part in it um, overall. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is a must win for Liverpool, and I completely agree with Theo. I don't care how we do it. I, I don't need a dramatic sort of you know big scoring game like they had against or had like Man City had against them. You just need a win. Um, it, it's something that I've seen a lot. I can't remember who said it, but you know you you can't win the title in you know over Christmas, but you can definitely lose it and. If we lose against Leicester and you know start falling away from Manchester City, then then it, you know you struggle to see how we'll catch how we'll catch them back up, um, even with a game in hand. So, you know it is you know this period at the moment where every game is ultimately a must win. And like I said, don't care how we do it, just just get that win. Yeah, most definitely. Right, time then to get into the team selector. Then uh, Theo, do you want to kick us off? I'll actually let you even pick the goalkeeper. And- you're back for oh, Christmas be a big, tree, is it? Exactly. It's gonna be a big <laughs> gonna be a big decision to make. Uh Allison in goal. It's not really a difficult one. Spike Keller's heroics against them last week. Trent's at right back, Simicas is at left back, and then you're just hoping that nothing happens to him because Nico Williams or James Milner at left back against Chelsea is not really worth thinking about. But yeah, Simicas at left back. Oh, I would like to think Van Dijk's fit enough to start. He's had a few days training, not had any symptoms. Only Liverpool's medical staff can say if they're really all the lads are ready to start. But surely he's as one who's going to have as good a chance as any. But then whatever state's had on his body with the injury coming back from that. And then it's a, it's up in the air with who starts alongside him. Joe Gomez didn't have his best night last week, so he, it won't be him. But Canate did so well coming on. And then Joel Matip, he's had a good season so far. It's pretty much a statement on who is your first-choice centre-back pairing. And the fact that they don't play Chelsea until Sunday, it's not as though Pop would be tempted to rest Matip for this one, to have him for that one, because he's still got the extra couple of days to recover, get back on the training field. Um, I think Matip is still clinging on to that first-team spot, that first-choice partnership slot by the skin of his teeth. Canate is knocking at the door and he's not doing any chances harm when he comes in and he plays as well as he has done in the last few weeks. But as it stands, it's just Matip's. But then if Van Dijk's not up to it, you'd have no problems with it being Canate and Matip together. Yeah, see, I was thinking maybe Canate would come in for, for this one, given the pace of, of Jamie Vardy. But what do you think, Hannah? I mean, I think in, in any situation, if, if Van Dijk's available, you play Van Dijk. Um, but I, I can sort of see the reasoning there of, you know, you know, it's been Matip and Canate 
bar the Leicester game for the last few Premier League games whilst Van Dijk has been out with COVID. So, you know, whether it, in terms of consistency you stick with that, I'm not too sure. But, um, you know, given when you look at the sort of players at Leicester, even with the injuries that they do have up front, when you think about the likes of Vardy, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd be reluctant not to put Van Dijk in there. So, again, I think it's just a case of, of who partners him. Um, you know, personally, I, I would want to go Canate. I'm really impressed with what I've, I've seen of him. And, you know, when he came on against Leicester the other week, it sort of helped us massively in terms of getting the draw and then ultimately winning on the, with the penalties. So I would probably go Van Dijk and, and Canate. Um, that's no discredit to Matip. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I just want to see more of Canate. And then obviously Alexander-Arnold and, and Simicasta are shooing and as is Alisson. Yeah, definitely right. So Theo's been outvoted on that one. Canate can get the nod to start at centre-half. Hannah, I'll come to you then for the midfield. What are you thinking? Obviously, Fabinho and Thiago both set to be back. Do they come straight back into the, the eleven? Fabinho, definitely. Um, Thiago, given he only, only came back you know, yesterday, I, I think. So um, maybe that's one where you sort of give him a little bit more time. I, I think I'd probably be named on the substitute bench, but I think it's a different case of whether or not you start him. Uh, Fabinho definitely and and you know Henderson as well is a must it's just a case of for me whether or not you put Milner, Cater or Alex Oxley-Chamberlain in there personally I I, I want to see more of Naby Cater. Um I'm not sure um, if Naby will be one that plays against Chelsea given that Thiago will have you know been back a bit longer by, by the time we played Chelsea um, but I think given how Naby changed the game against Leicester the other the other night I, I I want to see more of that and you know it's an opportunity for him really to to get some form and continue that so um personally I I'd, I'll put Naby in there but then Fabinho and, and Henderson as well what do you reckon Theo obviously it feels as though it's probably time for Tyler Morton to drop out of the 11 and probably quite timely given the subsequent injury that's been picked up by uh, Ricardo following his challenge in the, the League Cup meeting between the two clubs because if he does play I'm sure away from home it would be quite a hostile environment for him albeit of course no malice in the challenge but it hasn't ended well for Ricardo. Yeah I think it's going to be quite a spicy atmosphere anyway we were saying it in the press box last week when you had challenges flying in players getting injured and just the whole manner of the game we, we know about the, the nasty challenge that Leicester fans were coming out with it certainly feels a lot more spice to it and then you've got the added context of Rogers against his former club. So even if Morton hadn't broken uh, Ricardo's leg, I'd still imagine it to be quite heated. Um, I'm with Hannah on that, Naby Keita has to start. He was dancing around him for fun. They would have been having nightmares about how well he came on and changed the game. So he's got to start this one. And you've also got the, the fact that, well, this time next week, you won't be able to play him. He'll be on Africa a couple of duties next week. So if he got an injury in this one or against Chelsea doesn't matter for the next two, three weeks. You can let him get a little knock out the way now. Just play him if he's on form. Uh, go away with some confidence. Uh, I'd agree with like the argument with Van Dijk. Fabinho, you'd imagine, is going to be good enough to start. But then it's how energetic are him and Henderson feeling. Like Henderson didn't have COVID, but we know he was ill as well. So if they're not both 100%, you could see one of them drops to the bench. The other one is the number six. 
And then it would probably be Milner because it would be a big, bold call for it to be Oxlade-Chamberlain and Cater as offensive midfielders, which is incredibly hard on Oxlade-Chamberlain because he has done so well when he's been turned to in recent weeks. But I'm going to be optimistic and say Henderson's fit enough to start. He got through an hour last week and Fabinho is going to be back and raring to go. So Fabinho, uh, Henderson, Naby Cater in a very long-winded way of agreeing with Hannah, as I often do. Yeah, no, I was going to say you you did take your time over that. What about the what about the front three then? Uh, Salah, Jota, Mane, easy. In form next. Yeah, any argument with that, Hannah? Not at all. I mean, for me, no, you might have a case for, but I think given given Jota's form and you know clearly he likes a game against Leicester. <laughs> I mean, you look at his celebrations after he scored the winning penalty. So, um, absolutely, Jota has to go in there. Um, I don't know if it's a case of maybe managing his minutes slightly given he's going to be so so crucial especially when, when Salah and Mane go away for AFCON but I think given that the Leeds game didn't happen and you've had now that bit of an extended break in between the League Cup game and, and now Leicester again um, given we've had a break I think you know I'll play Jota um, and then obviously Salah and Mane do you, do you, we're going to lose them next week anyway so like like they said with Naby, you've got them now, so you might as well play them. They had that break last week as well, didn't they? But with um, the Jota celebration, is it just Wolves and Leicester don't like each other? Is that the only reason he probably went for it? Or did he was he actually listening to the chance and understood and he's probably bought into Liverpool and all of that? <laughs> Surely it's got to be to do with his Wolves pass. There must have been something that's gone on in the game there. And that's why he loved it that little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't know. I'd probably yeah hazard a guess as to something must have must have gone on previously. But anyway, match prediction time. I will come to you first, Hannah. On this, what's the score going to be? I think if it had ended, you know, had Man City not conceded three to them, I, I think I would have gone with a bit. You know, I could see Liverpool winning quite comfortably um, if Man City did. But seeing that they very almost got that comeback, I think it's going to be bit more of a challenge and I think you know I'm not quite sure how many players they've got out injured but he might be able to field a slightly stronger side against Liverpool so I, I don't think it's going to be as straightforward as, as you might expect at the moment so I'm going to go with maybe like 4-2 four 4-2 two. <laughs> four two. plenty of <laughs> yeah. yeah Theo what make about yourself make up for there not being a Leeds game yeah um it's a tough one to call because Leicester, they went so strong against Liverpool last week and it's cost them because they got a couple of injuries. And then they seem to be so weak against Man City that they put in a good performance in the end. They scored three at Anfield, they scored three at the Etihad. Despite all the injuries, they've got a bit something about them. But I just don't get the management of Vardy at the moment. I can know he's getting on a bit, but since they started managing his minutes more, it's when their form started to go out the window. Um, but because they've got those three goals in the last two, they're going to score, aren't they? They're at home. The fans will want to get one over Liverpool up because of last week and everything. Um, I'll go with a 3-2. 3-2, OK. Yeah, plenty of goals in it. We'll have to wait and see how it does play out. Do remember you can follow all of the coverage across on the Liverpool Echo website. Here on Blood Red, we will bring you immediate reaction with the debrief as well as, of course, our post-game podcast and both Jurgen Klopp and Brendan Rodgers' post-match press conferences. But from myself, Guy Clark, Theo Squires and Hannah Pinnock, thanks for your time and your company here on Blood Red. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.